This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Durant. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> you Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> Good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go here. So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Ennis Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Ennis Cantor, and you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to Down to Dunk. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. We are a part of DailyThunder.com, also Almighty Baller Radio. Check us out on Dash Radio on Saturday afternoons. And with me, I have the OG, Carson Cunningham. Carson, what is up, dude? Not much, man. It's a uh, Monday afternoon in Oklahoma City. It's about to be an historic day in the history of the Oklahoma City Thunder. We all expect... Russell Westbrook to win the MVP. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that. But first, I just want to commend you on your uh, your live draft podcast. I, I stopped by. I was blown away at the turnout. It was impressive, and it just it, uh, it had to be a crowning achievement for you, man. You're you're kind of the engine that drives this podcast, and I'm sure it was a proud night for you. And you should be because the podcast has really taken off, and it was cool to see all those fans turn up for you. Thanks, man. Yeah, it was kind of it was a little overwhelming for me. I didn't I didn't expect that because I think we had like forty some odd submissions for our uh, draft challenge that we did, and then like I walked in a little bit late with the food, and it was like, oh my gosh, like there's there's a lot, there's a lot of people in here, uh, but we were we were so excited. I mean, we're just we're just really glad to kind of bring the Thunder community together to do something fun like that, and we're gonna keep doing live shows with anthem or with anchor down and places like that so i appreciate that i'm glad you stopped by see so carson was supposed to be on our show that night uh but the draft ended up going a little bit longer than we thought and carson had to go uh go to work um so (laughs) tv duty called (laughs) we can have carson on to uh talk in detail about a lot of different things so um this worked out um okay so the mvp does it it just feels kind of like a buzzkill after the season after the playoffs after knowing like who the warriors are because like we always kind of knew who the warriors were but then when they actually do it it just feels a little different uh i mean had they have done this like mvp ceremony in the first round when you have russ versus harden the number one versus the number two like you still have like this like big fat storyline that's right there i think you bring more intrigue to that series but now it's like ugh, like i'm I'm, su- I'm super glad and i'm really excited to hear his speech and everything but it just just the direction that the nba is going like everything kind of has a different flavor to it what what do you what do you think about tonight it does kind of feel like everyone's moved on, right? Everyone's like, just kind of accepted. It's like it's almost like Russell's been awarded the MVP without being awarded it, and people have already moved on in their minds. Like yeah. it was kind of celebrated uh, towards the end of the season. Like I think when he had the game winner against Denver, that was kind of like the okay, <laughs> you just won the MVP award. Yeah. Uh, but I do understand kind of where the NBA is coming from with this. You know, they want to basically extend through the summer as long as possible people talking about the NBA and this will lead right into free agency. I kind of understand them trying to make money off this, doing an award show. It just, there's no suspense at all. So the, that's, that's kind of the appeal of award shows, right? Who's going to win this? Who's going to win that? 
And we all know because, you know, most of the, I think there was a blog from a Houston that was tracking everyone's votes as far as who they were voting for that had a vote, people that wrote about it. And like it's already known that Russell's going to win it. So it's just there's no suspense. I'm with you. I guess the only real suspense is what's Russell going to wear and what's he going to say? Right. Obviously, what's he going to wear? He's probably going to do something crazy for the MVP award because he knows like this video will be shown for the next 30 years. Mm -hmm. And will he take a shot at Durant? Durant just wore that cupcake hat and they've kind of gone back and forth through social media and all that ever since he's left. But that's kind of the only suspense left, Andrew. And yeah, I'm with you. I'd rather see them do it like they had, but I don't think it's changing. I think Adam Silver wants to do this, and and uh, it's gonna, what we're going to see moving forward. Yeah, I just think they got to figure out the timing. And I know it's. I mean, it would be something to try to pull off, like in like the three days they have off before the playoffs. But if there was some way to make that work, where you could do it right then, like right after the votes were turned in, and then like you wouldn't ha- you wouldn't give this you know SB Nation blog five weeks to figure it out you know people would have you know you know a day to figure it out and then it would probably wouldn't be worth it and then you just enjoy it but here's an idea hmm. how how about since you know the Warriors and Cavs are going to play for like the next four finals. <laughs> That, that eight-day gap when they sweep the conference finals seems good to me, right? How about that eight-day gap where we're just kind of twiddling our thumbs? That's, that's, that's a good time to do it. There you go. I mean, that yeah. they, they, got it. they just have to figure out the timing. The timing is just, it's just bad. After the draft, I mean, you do, you do the regular <laughs> season awards like two months later and after the NBA draft. It's just, it, I don't know. I, I don't feel that much excitement about it, and the team that I root for as player is winning the most valuable player, and I don't feel that excited for it. And there's, I feel like there's something kind of wrong about that. Yeah, but there's another way to look at it, too. Wasn't it kind of awkward when, when Kevin won it and they were down in the series to Memphis? It was almost like, I remember leading into that, it was just this sense of awkwardness, like, oh, he can't like be too overly excited about this he's got a playoff series he's in which he's not playing well and they're down in the series it was kind of a weird vibe until he gave like one of the greatest speeches that i've ever seen right. a person give but there, there is some drawbacks to doing it during the middle of the playoffs as well so it's i can see where adam silver would argue that too so yeah. but, I, but i'm with you it's just it's too long it's i think it's been like over 70 days i think since the regular season it's just crazy imagine a scenario last season if they decide to do this last season when steph curry wins the unanimous mvp and they just lost to the cleveland cavaliers like how different would that feel i mean it would that would be that would be the the most awkward. Yeah. I was trying to I was trying to come up with like a three one joke that they could do it like right. like 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 Drake like would Drake I guess Drake's a, a closet Warriors fan or a bandwagon Warriors fan but whoever the host would be last year would they'd be tempted to make like a three one joke right like remember when uh, was it Hannibal Burris when at All Star Weekend Kevin Durant was playing on the video game and he was like yes. Kevin if if you lose this game are you going to join the, their team too. Yes. <laughs> So like I feel like the the host they need to be careful who they pick as a host. I don't think Drake's going to make any jokes, but if they pick a comedian, that would have been awkward for uh, for Steph. Oh man, that'd be so great. Uh, we are going to talk about Terrence Ferguson next. But before we do, I want to give a nod to our sponsor, Chicken Express. First of all, huge thanks to Chicken Express. They brought out free food for everybody at the draft party the other night. It was gone pretty quick because there were a lot of people there. But tons of chicken tenders, mashed potatoes, gravy, tea. 
It was spectacular. And right now, if you go into Chicken Express, you can get 16 dark, six biscuits or rolls for 20 bucks. Make sure that you get a side with that. You can get the mashed potatoes and gravy. You can get French fries, fried okra. It's also good. So go check out Chicken Express today. Um, so Carson, what what were your initial impressions whenever the Thunder drafted Terrence Ferguson? Well, it was a weird thing, Andrew. I should have been just – it should have been one of the more thrilling drafts in Thunder history because almost every prospect you had been breaking down for, for months was available. Yeah. And the, the news trickling out about Frank Jackson having a, having a promise – I wasn't as excited as I should have been. I was already like resigned to the fact that I think they were going to take Frank Jackson. So mm-hmm. when they announced Terrence Ferguson, and before they did, like, wasn't it just incredible how the draft was like? Like Adrian Wojnarowski was three picks ahead of every pick until the Thunder came up, and just everything came to an absolute standstill for about 15 minutes. That just for people who don't know, like that's what it's like covering the thunder. They're very secretive. They're very closed off. I've covered them since their very first season. And I don't, I don't get a lot of scoops. We'll put it that way. Now I I am told some things off the record a lot that I can't report, but that's kind of gives you a glimpse into how hard it is to uncover stuff with the thunder. It is airtight. I think Sam Presti had, uh, those poor interns that leaked the Stephen Adams and Cameron Payne picks. He's had them sleeping with the fishes for about a, about a couple years now. He's, uh, he's silenced all family business, and it was cr- pretty incredible. But when they took Terrence, my initial reaction was surprise and like, oh, okay. Because like, my, my biggest – I was asked, you know, what, what would be a success for, for you for the Thunder? If they had drafted another defensive project who literally can't put a round ball through a round hoop, mm-hmm. that to me would have been just a disaster. They have too many of those guys on the roster. I need a guy who can score. And Terrence Ferguson, I know he only averaged like four points in the Australian League, only played 15 minutes. But basically everyone who is knowledgeable about him and, and his career says he can really shoot it. Mm-hmm. And man, do the Thunder need some of those guys. Now, they do have a Brennan and McDermott who can shoot, but they can't play solid. They can probably improve as defensively, but they're not known as being good defensively. And and really, my overall takeaway, once I learned more about him, was like, duh, of course. <laughs> this guy should have been higher on the radar for me because he checks almost every box that Presti looks for. Supreme size for his position. Uh, unbelievable athleticism. Those, those windmill dunks he was doing in that dunk contest were incredible. But you look at it, the, the starting shooting guards for the Thunder, 6'7", Tabo Zafalosha, 6'7", Andre Robertson, I guess now plays just kind of the three, but Terrence Ferguson, 6'7". So I, once I kind of learned a lot about him, it, it totally like, oh, oh, of course Sam would like this kid. So, But I, but I do, I, I know you've kind of voiced your concerns. Uh, you were kind of disappointed in the pick. Um, I, I can see where you're coming from as well, but that's kind of how I initially viewed it. Yeah, and he, if he can get big enough to play the three, I mean, that's where the Thunder's real need is, is at the three. And I just kind of, my, my concern is that he is a two. And it's just like, well... Like they're going to invest a lot in Alex Abrinas, and they're they've already got Victor Oladipo, who may or may not finishes out his contract with the Thunder. Um, but when you take a step back and you just look at it at the surface level, they drafted a wing, and the Thunder need wings badly. They need wings that can play, and Ferguson projects as like a three and D guy 
that can dunk and can get out on the fast break. Uh, I don't know that he'll be able to handle the ball ever. I mean, he just never scored on drives, but he's still 19, so it's not like he'll never develop that. But it's it's pretty rare that a guy goes from basically nothing to like a drive game um, in his career. But uh, he's interesting. He's interesting. I think that uh, drafting a wing is a smart play also on value because those guys just hold value in the in the NBA even especially if there's like a ton of unknowns about him because i think that you could you could get a first round pick for Terrence Ferguson probably at this point because he's just he's a wing that can shoot it and that can that he projects as a defender uh and he's going to hold value even like a a future trade let's say they find a taker for like Oladipo or something like that, that helps them upgrade a spot. If they, you know, Terrence Ferguson could be a guy that could tip that deal over. Um, or he could be a guy that they develop to, you know, play alongside Russell Westbrook, which is also possible. Uh, the, the pick makes sense. I don't love it with who, who else is on the board because I think that they're just going to need help next year. And I'd be, as the more you look at the luxury tax, the more afraid I think you get of like, what are they going to do this summer? <laughs> because they're, they're up against it. Um, but I understand the pick. I don't love it, but I understand it. Yeah, like I don't. Who were they really getting at, at twenty one, Andrew? In your opinion, that would that would help next year? I don't see very many. I don't think anybody really would help them be a difference maker next year. I mean, I know you love Derek White. I know they're already uh, constructing the the Derek White statue <laughs> in San Antonio. That you, you're just gonna. Like Derek White went from like your favorite player in the draft to now he's just going to torture you for the next like I ten know. years. I know, but like I didn't see uh, anyone at twenty one that was going to really truly help them next year. Did, did you? I think White would be. I think White would help because the Thunder, they're, they're just, it's just so embarrassing who they're who they've thrown out there at backup point, and they just have no help there, and the the bottom just drops out. I mean, you're going from the MVP to maybe the. Oh, he's a bottom five player. Samaj is a bottom five player in the NBA. Like, I don't know that there's a bigger drop off between the starter and a backup. Um, and so it, the the bar is so low that you can bring in a rookie guy like White, and he can come in, he can shoot it, he can defend a little bit, like he can do everything. He's not going to do everything, you know, very well. And some of those skills won't translate to the NBA. But I think that his shot making and his ability to run a, a pretty simple pick and roll would have would have translated um and then i i'm also kind of disappointed they didn't get into the second round uh which may have been an ownership decision which may have been a oh the salary cap isn't where we thought it was going to be it's three million dollars lower so maybe we don't have that three million dollars to spend uh, but i was disappointed they didn't get in the second round because there were a lot of guys i feel like could come in and help i mean you could get shemmy we people talked about him for 21 you can go get him you know in the second round for you know three million bucks you know jordan bell got bought for three and a half million i, I think that there was a way to get in there and get somebody that can help today that to me was the most surprising thing of the night i mean i've i've covered a lot of draft nights and and almost always the thunder take at least one sometimes two second round draft picks and mm-hmm. They're so valuable to have them on those cheap contracts. It just—it's shocking to me they didn't do that. Now you mentioned the salary cap; that's obviously a concern. Maybe it kind of, on the surface, it makes them look kind of cheap in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I was very surprised. But I like there was a lot of guys in the second round that I liked. You mentioned Semi, uh, Jordan Bell. That that just—he oh. he was one of—he was one of my dudes. And the Warriors paid like the maximum uh, you can pay for a second round pick. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's going to just. 
he's going to block everything at the rim for the Warriors and just they're playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers. But uh, that was surprising to me. They didn't buy into the second round. Uh, I, I think you I think I think the biggest disappointment of the night and who knows how close they were. But you mentioned a lot and I totally agree of trading perhaps Ennis or something to get into the lottery. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that would have been a a big coup. I think that's when you get a guy who can help next year. Now you have to give up some value to do it. And perhaps Ennis either a wasn't valuable enough to do that or B they didn't want to give him up just for that. But I think, I think there is, if you want to criticize the thunder at all, I think, I think they could have done more to, because it, it didn't seem like it was taking a whole lot to get up in the lottery, did it? I mean, you saw the some of the trades that were made. It just it, it seemed like there was an opportunity there that they, they missed out on. Yeah, I I don't know if the Thunder could get into the lottery with Canner. Um, I kind of think I kind of think they almost should have even done it for like the twenty second pick. And, oh my! And dump him because the Thunder. I mean, the Thunder. Do you think the Thunder will pay the tax this summer, or next? I guess it'll be next summer. Do you think they're going to go into the tax with this team? I guess uh, I don't. I don't know. Okay. So they've got basically, if they stretch Kyle Singler, and so then he'll only be on the books for two and a half million. Then you're going to sign uh, Terrence Burgess into a deal that's going to basically almost fill that two and a half million that the Thunder saved. They have about six million dollars to play with. And that's before even approaching Andre Robertson's next deal. Um, so if they do want to bring back Robertson, they're going to have to shed some salary somewhere in order to bring him back. Unless Robertson is like, yeah, I'll take uh, five for 25. Then like the Thunder, are, they're great. They're in great shape. Uh, <laughs> but he's not taking that. He's He turned down 12. No. Uh and so the Thunder are going to have to find a way to shed salary somewhere if they're going to keep him. Now, if they're going to let Robertson walk and they're going to try to figure it out with the wings that they've got or try to sign a minimum guy or find a scrap heap guy or actually develop Josh Hustis, um, then maybe maybe that makes some sense. But I, I think they want to bring him back. Uh, then what do you do? I mean, I mean, they're just they're just kind of screwed with the way that the cap went, especially like that three million bucks doesn't sound like a lot. But the Thunder had six or nine to play with, and now they have six, and they're going to have to figure they're going to have to figure out some way to shed salary. And I think the quickest way is like call Brooklyn and say, "Hey, will you take him into space, and we'll we'll take back <laughs> whatever." I mean, I just don't I don't know what else they're going to do because they're they're just really up against it. I mean, obvi- I think the like the ideal swap would be like a canner for jeremy lynn because uh, then you can bring back a point guard you don't have to worry about you know finding a point guard on the market you also shed salary that way uh you can find a way to stand under the tax that way um but other than that there's just not a lot out there that helps the thunder financially and with winning now they're just in such a tough spot i, I, don't, <laughs> I do not envy sam presti no, this is going to be just like I get asked all the time. What are the Thunder going to do? Like I don't. Like, you're right. I don't know. There's, there's just not a lot of wiggle room. And you're looking at this very analytically, rationally, and by the numbers. But you, you take a pulse on the Thunder fans. If they trade Ennis Cantor for Jeremy Lin, like it will be meltdown city. <laughs> I mean, not only is he the stash bro and beloved and all that, but he's still a very good 
player. Like there's only a few teams in the league that Ennis can't play against. The rest, he's a very valuable player during the regular season. He helps you win games. He's mm-hmm. he was a six man of the year candidate until he punched the chair, you know. So there is value in Ennis Cantor, but man, they would look so cheap and so not committed to winning if they end up having to trade Ennis Cantor for Jeremy Lin, even though as you're astutely pointing out it's it's becoming a numbers game for them so i just sam's in a tough spot for me this is the most important offseason yet obviously the the kevin durant summer was the biggest but now he has like the draft was his first step in trying to remake the roster around russell so what does he do next i don't know and it's hard to predict what kind of trades he can pull off andrew you and i like we we have this vision of what he can and can't get but I keep going back to the trades he's made recently. Like the Chicago trade was an absolute heist. And we're learning that Chicago loves to give away assets, apparently. The trade with Serge Ibaka to Orlando, absolute heist mm-hmm. on a guy for an expiring contract. So maybe Sam can pull another Jedi mind trick in these GMs to where they just get these lopsided trades. But I I just I can't envision them getting a whole lot back for Ennis, like you mentioned. And just, man, if it's a salary dump, that'll just look bad on the surface for, for the fans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, all, and, all the, and all the critics that, that claim Oklahoma City is just cheap. And, sure. you know, that, that would kind of, you know, further that narrative. Yeah. I, I think that people need to understand, like, it's the Thunder, are, they cannot pay the luxury tax with this team. They just can't. They, just, they should not do it. And, it's really going to be tough. I think any cater trade is going to be tough to swallow because he holds more value to the Thunder than what he can bring back. I honestly, I honestly think the Nets would say no to a Jeremy Lin for Caner trade. Like I just, I, and that's scary. I think Jeremy Lin would make the Thunder better. I think he would come in. He can run a pick and roll. He can score. You put him, you know, you can put him and Sabonis out there to run some kind of pick and pop with Abrinas and McDermott out there, spacing the floor. Like you've got, you got like the makings of like a bench offense right there. And Lynn could probably play next to Russ a little bit because he can spot up, and he was really effective next to Kemba Walker. So I think that he can come in and like he would help like a lot. Um, I think the Thunder forgot what a backup point guard even looks like with <laughs> Samaj being out there. Um, so I think he would help, but I just, I don't even know if the Nets would say yes to that. Uh, they're just, they're in a, they're just in a tough spot because there's just so many big guys like that that are out there. Um, you know, the, the Bucks would love to get off of Greg Monroe now that he's picked up his option. You have, uh, Nick Vucevic in Orlando. They'd love to get off of his deal. You know, you got Jill Okafor who can't even be traded and he's on a rookie salary. I mean, it's just, I think that Ennis could be the best of that bunch. But I don't know if the gap is big enough for it to even make a difference. So you're ready to run back Lynn's sanity. Uh, Jeremy Lynn's first order of operation would be to walk up to Kyle Singler and say, man, I I love I love your hairdo, man. Where do you where do you get it done? Uh, We got we got a team up here. I got to go find your barber. But uh, is my is my dream scenario of trading Ennis Cantor for Eric Bledsoe just not a reality? Uh, It's not. I mean, that was that was my white whale. That would be that'd be great. I mean, you're gonna have to. I mean, you probably have to throw Terrence Ferguson into that deal immediately, plus something <laughs> else. Um, man, I mean, I mean, is 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 Phoenix that high on Bledsoe? I know they're not just gonna give him away, but man, is he? I don't know if they're gonna demand just you know a whole lot for him. Yeah, what would be the benefit of Phoenix doing that? I guess would be my question. Well, I mean, I think um, as I mentioned, Ennis Cantor is a. a 
20 and 10 guy off the bench. I mean, if, you know, Alex Lynn has been a complete failure. Uh, it would basically be a, a swap for him. Yeah. They probably let uh, him go this summer anyhow. And, and Phoenix, I think is one of those teams where, you know, not every team's trying to win the title. Almost every team's not trying to win the title right now with golden state, but right. you know, Phoenix wants to make the playoffs. You would think now that they have, you know, kind of their young core in place mm-hmm. and this would help them do that. Now I, again, I don't know if they would trade Eric Bledsoe for Ennis Cantor, but I could see some reasoning as to why they would, but yeah, that would be an it's kind of a dream steal. scenario. Yeah. I honestly think, and I put this on Twitter earlier, and it's the grossest trade ever, but I think a Brandon Knight for Ennis Cantor would make more sense to Phoenix. I don't know. Okay. The, and, yeah, I mean, Brandon Knight has been so, so bad for Phoenix. I mean, he has been atrocious. But, I mean, you can go back and look at Zach Lowe's article that he wrote about Brandon Knight when he was with the Bucks. Like, he almost had him on the all-star team. I mean, he he's had good years in the league, but it's it's been a while, uh, and you'd be adding a year of salary. I think that's that's where the benefit for Phoenix comes in is that they get um, a year sooner of cap relief, um, and the Thunder get kind of the their number down probably about five million dollars. So it helps give the Thunder a little bit of wiggle room and gives them a backup point guard and a guy that could maybe play next to Russ in a pinch, but it's not a great fit. Um, but that all assumes that he can, you know, regain some of his form with the Bucks. Yeah. And if there's one thing Sam Presti looks for, other than obviously just the measurables that we talked about earlier, it's former lottery picks. They, they have six former lottery picks on their team. And Brandon Knight was picked, was picked eighth in the 2011 draft. So he has the pedigree that Presti just, he loves accumulating former lottery picks, man. So that that would that would be something I think would intrigue him. I think Presty would look at Brandon Knight and think, okay, if we get him in our program, our our player development, we, we could get more out of him than what what's been done in Phoenix. So I, that wouldn't. I mean, obviously, you mentioned he hadn't been good, but I, I that would that would intrigue me a little, just as far as I think he could be salvageable. Mm-hmm. My my other trade idea is. Um, for Jerry and Grant in Chicago and Rajon Rondo. You'd have to do it this week because Rondo has a guaranteed date of uh, June 30th for his $13 million next year. But if you waive him before then, he only counts as $3 million against the cap. So you get your cap relief with the Rondo deal, and then you bring in Jeremy Grant's brother, Jerry and Grant, to be your backup point. Um, and you're paying, paying him on a rookie scale deal. The Bulls have more young point guards than they even know what to do with. Uh, <laughs> you give Canner to them as a part of like their rebuild, where they don't play any defense at all and have no direction at all. It fits perfectly. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying the Thunder get Rondo and Jerry and Grant? Yeah, but you got to wave Rondo before Friday. Okay, I got you, brothers Grant. Yeah, the Thunder Brothers. You bring Let's in the Thunder it. Bros. You trade out the Stash Bros. Bring in the Thunder Bros. What are the chances that Chicago um, packs Cameron Payne in the undercarriage on the plane <laughs> and just sends him back with Jerry and Grant and just says thanks for nothing? <laughs> right. Poor, poor campaign. Uh, I feel. I mean, he's. I, I cannot believe Sam Presti pulled that off because now, it's still, now he's it's, like it's a more incredible player. now. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's it becomes more incredible by the day, and it's just like every day on Twitter after the trade, like every day that he was DNP, and then oh, the the day that they sent him down to the D League, just the trade got worse and worse and worse. So, but you're rightfully focusing on the the backup point guard situation. That is a 
they can't they cannot like I keep saying Sam Presley cannot bring back the same virtually the same roster they had last year and specifically back up point guard you're right you were early on the the Samaj Kristen uh <laughs> hate train or whatever you want to call it but but he he was not good and it was he was vir- he was literally unplayable um down the stretch and especially in the playoffs it was just a disaster yeah. but uh they have to they have to upgrade the backup point and that's why I was not too disappointed that they didn't draft a backup point guard in the first round or second round I mm-hmm. I would almost prefer we, we've been down that road recently with Cameron Payne I would prefer them get kind of a veteran guy that you've that you've kind of mapped out some guys that have been in the league for a few years yeah I mean you couldn't you can kind of be upset they didn't get like a guy like Jawan Evans, but I mean you're taking a risk when you're bringing in a rookie point and like wanting to play them big minutes. Like it's a it's a risk, and I I know we both like Jawan Evans. I think he's going to be a player, but it's hard to know if how effective he'll be next year. Um, yeah, and you look at like Reggie Jackson's rookie year. I mean, he became a really good player, obviously, but uh, just that that first year, it's tough to really rely on a on a rookie point guard. Yeah. The, uh, back to the uh, Cameron Payne trade. So the the Bulls traded two picks to get Doug McDermott, and then they traded a second round pick to get rid of Doug McDermott, and then they uh, traded Jimmy Butler to draft a taller Doug McDermott and Laurie Markkinen. How great is that? <laughs> what are they doing? I don't like know, everyone man. should have been fired on draft night. Like everyone. Everyone other than the owner should have fired everyone. Now maybe, the, maybe the owner wanted them to do this, but I just to to give away Butler like they did and include the sixth. Like, why did they include the sixteenth pick? That is just absolutely insane. It's worse trade than the Cameron Payne trade. I didn't I didn't think that that was possible after after that heist. But uh, yeah. To, uh, that's the best deal that they could come up with. Like that, that blows me. I'm sure Boston's sitting there going, "Wait a second, wait a second, you didn't." We could have offered you that. We could have offered you better than that. Yeah. But maybe maybe Boston didn't want. Him. I don't know. But just the, the Gar Pax era in Chicago has to be coming to an end shortly. You would think they would have to. I mean, it's a it is a disaster. I mean, you bring in a, like the the key piece of the deal is a guy who's coming off an ACL surgery. Uh, yeah, you let your mid first round pick go in a rebuild, and then you sell your highly valued second round pick to the Warriors. Like, yeah, this is thanks, exactly, thanks a lot, dude. It's exactly how to not rebuild your roster. And the, what's great is that the Thunder have the Bulls' unprotected second-round pick for next year, which is surely to be like a mid-30s pick, which is a really, really valuable second-round pick. Um, and the Thunder probably got a ton of offers for it last night after the Butler deal because I think everybody can see the writing on the wall there and see that any Chicago Bulls pick, whether it be a first or a second round pick, is going to end up being worth a lot. I mean, the Thunder got Alex Abrinas in the early second round. Like You can go get somebody that's good in the early second round. So I think, I mean, that may even end up being the centerpiece, look like the centerpiece of the deal. You know, coming back to the Thunder and the Doug McDermott Todd Gibson trade, it may be that may be the best player out of the deal that's going to stick with the Thunder is the second round pick coming. Um, so that's something to be excited about next year. Yeah, it's almost like Chicago doesn't see the value in those picks. Like that was the thing about the Cameron Payne trade. Obviously, you offload Payne, Laverne, and Morrow for two better pieces in McDermott and Taj. And Laverne was a rental. Taj was a rental. Huge win for the Thunder on those rentals. Mm-hmm. And then they throw in the second round pick that you mentioned. Like, like what? Wait, wait a second. You're getting the worst of the players, and you're giving up a pick. 
like Presti had to be doing fist pumps on the phone when they agreed to that. Oh, yeah. So it's just another example of them just throwing in a pick when it really wasn't necessary. So uh, as, as depressed as Thunder fans are hearing you talk about the salary cap situation and what they can do this summer, like imagine being a Bulls fan today. That's just that's just sad. Yeah. And there are a lot of other franchises that are in tough spots when it comes to uh, the salary cap, too. Um, and roster flexibility like the thunder aren't the only team that's like struggling with this there's a lot of teams that are you look at boston like boston they're in a great spot right now obviously but if they do want to get gordon hayward and it feels like it gets louder and louder that yes gordon hayward is probably going to be a celtic they've got to offload some contracts now like they've got to offload somebody like they need to give away marcus smart or terry rozier or somebody like that and maybe that's where the thunder can get in like if they can Oh, uh, bring bring Terry Rozier to me now. No bring kidding. him to Oklahoma City. Yeah, they've he's, got, he's good. They've got money left on their trade exception. So they could bring him in just on top. And then, I mean, I think that he can come in and play backup point now. Like, he's good enough defensively to play next to Russ a little bit. Uh, I I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Uh, and maybe that's a circumstance where you do give up the Bulls' second-round pick to the – to the Celtics and say, you know, we'll give you this highly valued second round pick and we'll take back Terry Rozier. It will give you the cap flexibility to sign Gordon Hayward and we get our backup point guard of the future. I mean, I think that that's a kind of a no brainer to me. Yeah, that's a, that would be a, a great move. And I do think the Gordon Hayward thing's happening because I didn't know this, Andrew, but apparently he grew up a huge Purdue fan. His parents had season tickets. His parents even kept season tickets um, while he was playing at Butler, but he was he was going to go to Purdue until Brad Stevens uh, start. I think Brad Stevens was like the first one to recruit him. He had this incredible loyalty to Brad Stevens and, and chose Butler over Purdue, even though that's the school he wanted to go to. His parents kept their season tickets while he was at Butler. Uh, that shows you kind of the connection those two have. So I would be kind of I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go to Boston. Just that that's that's a deep deep connection that you don't really see too often so maybe i think uh you're right i think the celtics will have to offload somebody they can't keep everyone i do kind of i do think it's smart for the celtics to kind of keep their their assets and just wait for lebron to get old because that's going to be tough but i but i would sign gordon hayward if i had the opportunity as well yeah and they may have the paul george deal in their back pocket right after they sign hayward then they can go get paul george you know, if they're if they're willing to part with the with the you know right assets, if they're willing to part with that unprotected eighteen next, Nets pick, you can go get Paul George. You can add Paul George to that team. You can trade him Jay Crowder and Marcus Smart and the two thousand eighteen Nets pick, and then you can have Gordon Hayward, Paul George added to that you know that team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals, and then like who knows? Like maybe they can maybe they can win the lottery ticket to get crushed by the Warriors. Who knows? So I I don't think they would do that. Do you? I mean, they only get what one year of George until he just has to go play for the Lakers for some silly reason. I don't think the, I don't see them giving up any assets for a non guaranteed future of, of Paul George. I I guess it would just depend on the message you're getting from his agent. Yeah, I guess if he commits to resign, obviously you, you do that in a heartbeat. But mm-hmm. uh, it just seems like for whatever reason he's just intent on playing for the lakers i know i know you you grew up in california i I get all that uh the lakers are not the lakers haven't been good in like a decade right maybe like seven eight years uh and they don't seem to have a whole lot of 
winning power in the next five years why are you so dead set on going there it's not like during the season you get you get to hang out in la you're traveling you're on the road it's the season and you can live in la during the off season so i i, I don't really understand that from from paul george's perspective mm-hmm. maybe and maybe for the celtics you feel like you can if you you know make the nba finals that you maybe you can convince them to stay i mean i don't know i don't know how strong i don't know how strong it is that he has to play there or that's or it's that he just needs to win or he just needs to get out of indiana um i don't know i think i think that's i think that's interesting if if they don't i mean if you just add gordon hayward obviously you're a much better team then you have flexibility moving forward i mean maybe anthony davis comes comes available and you can trade that 2018 nets pick for for him and then you're just a monster team um i don't know are you are you ready for the blake griffin homecoming (laughs) Like have you, have you, do I need to queue up P Diddy and I'm coming home? Hey, if, if Blake signals that he's coming, the Thunder are going to figure out a way to do it. But how would they do that? By the way, wouldn't they have to gut like the most of the roster? Well, it would have to be a sign and trade. I mean, that he would Blake would have to say go to the Clippers and say, "Hey, uh, I'm not coming back. You can either trade me to the Thunder, or I'm walking to Miami, or I'm walking to." you know boston or wherever um you would have to i mean that would have to be the deal and then the thunder and the clippers would have to come to an agreement on some kind of trade where you give them probably have to start with canner or you can start with um oladipo one of those guys and then you add whatever else to it going back to the clippers but that's really the that's the only feasible way the thunder are not i mean you'd have to give everybody away but westbrook and one of adams and oladipo and then you'd have to like sign minimums around and then you'd just be mm-hmm. like in the same place that you were like five minutes ago. So the th- yeah. it would have to be, a, it would have to be a sign and trade and it would have to be because Blake Griffin says, I want to go to the Oklahoma city thunder. And if you don't trade me there, then I'm just going to walk. It seems far fetched, doesn't it? It just, it seems oh, like far-fetched. a long shot. Yeah. It just doesn't seem feasible or or likely but thinking about it from blake's perspective who do you want to hit your wagon to at this point russell westbrook or chris paul who's 32 and we can all agree still a magnificent player but probably on the the down slope of his career mm-hmm. just from a basketball perspective i i think i would rather play with with westbrook now the rest of the roster does matter and as you pointed out like it it would be kind of gutted a little bit in oklahoma city but uh, just from for basketball reasons only i would i could see him thinking oh well russell's younger and the mvp of the league like that and like blake had those did you, did you see those quotes blake gave whenever uh the season was winding down about how russell should be the mvp like he, he sounds like he's a fan so there is that aspect of it i think it would be highly interesting if he did decide to do that it would probably be a canner and sabonis and alex sabrinas maybe or maybe terrence ferguson would be a part of that deal uh something like that and probably that bull second rounder just to you know throw them a little bit of value and then you bring back blake griffin i mean and then i mean depending on the moves that are made around the conference if blake is healthy then you're looking at maybe the second best team in the West, the third best team in the West. I mean, that's a really, really good team. Um, Cause Blake is really good. Like he can, I think that you stagger those two 
and what you try to do with Ennis, where you run uh, the offense through him out of the post, you could do that with Blake out of the high post. The dude can pass better than almost any big man in the league, uh, and he can score. And I mean, the pick and roll with those two, and then I mean, it's just it's a great fit. And he shot pretty well from three this past year. Like I, th- I think the the upgrade is just monstrous, but. Um, there's too many ifs to get there. There's just way too many ifs. Like if Blake Griffin wants to play for the Thunder, and then if the Clippers are willing to do a deal, and if the Clippers want back what the Thunder even have, or if they'd rather just have you know the cap flexibility. Like there's just, I mean, it's if after if after if, and it's just like ah, uh, I mean, it just takes it takes too much to get there. It takes right. too much to get there. It's more fun to talk about than it is likely to happen. Right. But uh, it is it is funny to me though. I got so many people going, "No, he's injury prone. He ain't gonna play." Like for me, it's a gamble worth taking. He's twenty eight years old. Uh, he's still in the prime of his career. He's become much more than a dunker, Andrew. I don't think people realize that. Like you mentioned, he shot from three. Uh, he shot forty four percent from sixteen feet or, or longer. Yep. Like that's he's become a very good shooter. And you mentioned his passing. Five assists per game. He's a he's an elite passer for his size. Yep. Uh, so I, I think it'd be worth the risk if you could somehow pull it off. But here here's one of those quotes about Russell Westbrook. Uh, Russ's production is crazy. It almost blows my mind to think anybody else could win the MVP. Uh, what sets it apart though is when he's had the triple doubles, his PER and his PER in the clutch. As a player, those are all the things you look for. A player's going to make his team better. A player that wins games for you, and a player who performs when you need him to. Hmm. Sounds like he wants to play a Russ there, but uh, it he, doesn't sound too feasible. He really went out of his way too. Like he didn't have to say all that about like that's Russ. a player. That's a player you kind of want to play with, you know. Yeah. He wins games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, hey, hey, how about that? A player not calling Russell a ball hog, even though that's what people call him. Hmm, right. Funny how that works. Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of guys would like to play with Russ, and I think a big like Blake makes a lot of sense. Um, just because he's also a guy that's going to make that extra pass to a wide open shooter after Russ gives him a good pass, he can find you know the better play there. So I, I think I think the Thunder have to do it, but like even Sam Presti has said, it's going to take interest on the other end to even get started. I mean, yeah. the Thunder will call Blake Griffin's people; they probably already have, and just say, "Hey, we're interested." You know, the Thunder call about LeBron when he's available and say, "Hey, we're interested." They call about everybody, and you have to if you're if you're an NBA franchise and you're not calling about you know potential stars being available, then you're not doing the job right. I mean, if you're wondering like why is Sam Presti not doing anything, he's just sitting on his hands. You know, he's not like just because the opportunity is not there doesn't mean that he's not trying. I mean, Sam, I guarantee you, Sam Presti's trying. Sam Presti tried to get Jimmy Butler. Sam Presti's trying to get Paul George. Sam Presti's trying to get all these guys. Like he's trying, but the Thunder. I mean, you just have to be very realistic. When the when the Thunder lost Kevin Durant, they lost a ton more than just Kevin Durant. They lost cap flexibility. They lost the ability to like bring in big name people because of the the way that their team is structured. Um, if you're going to be mad at somebody, don't be mad at Sam Preston. You need to be mad at Kevin Durant because he he left the Thunder in a pretty tough spot in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and Presti's one of the more active gms in the entire nba so if anyone thinks he's not making calls they're just they're not paying attention right uh but let's hope blake griffin's calling uh oak tree seeing if they have a, a few That's lots right. available <laughs> see if he's gonna move button moved close to the edmund water tower uh, are there any other free agents like 
you know, a, a point guard or something like that that interests you? You know, I haven't really studied that. I'm, I've been more concentrated on the, the Andre Robertson situation. That to me is yeah. going to be going to be fascinating. I mean, I I think I the more I look at it, Andrew, I just I don't see him getting a big offer that the Thunder would be deterred from matching. I just I don't. I think the Nuggets could make him an offer. Um, I just I I think he was his liability was exposed so bad in the playoffs that. I mean, and plus, as, as I mentioned to you before, like, when's the last time we saw a, a team really splurge for a defensive talent and free agency? It just it doesn't happen. People pay for for offense. Rarely do you see. I don't. I can't even remember a defensive guy getting paid. I think Solomon Hill, that Brett, da- Brett Dawson pointed this out. He's a very when he signed his twelve million per uh, deal in New Orleans, he was a very similar player to Andre Robertson. Yeah, but other than him, like nobody, like Tony Allen getting paid, like no, none of the defensive guys get paid. So I, I'm, I'm more optimistic the Thunder will be able to keep him. Yeah, I hope so. And the Solomon Hill deal came last summer when we had the big cap spike and like all these teams just had this money that they were never going to have again, and Hill just happened to reap the rewards of that like Mozgov did and all these other guys that would never, ever, ever sniff that kind of money. Um, and Robertson's better than Solomon Hill. Like he's a better player than Solomon Hill is. Um, but I would, I mean that summer there's, it's just an exceptional summer when it comes to like big contracts for players that aren't any good. Um, so I, I think that they start again at like that, like four for 40 or something like that. And, you know, see where it goes. I mean, if you can get him for 10 mil a year, you got to sign him to it. Cause I think that's in this day and age, like that's a pretty, pretty good spot to be for the thunder. And they're then they'll have to figure out the cap maneuvering won't be quite as bad. But when you get up to like 12, 13, 14, 15, then you're like, Oh my God, like, they just can't do it. Like they just, they, they, it'll be too hard to get under the cap um, or the tax. I mean, and it's just, it's tough and maybe i mean the teams that are out there that can spend i mean denver has always made a ton of sense for robertson to me um who knows what brooklyn wants to do sacramento has got more money than they'll than they even know what to do with i think i think they're going to have 53 million to spend this summer and what does vlade divak with 53 million dollars look like i have no clue and we're about to find out <laughs> he had a good draft, so maybe he's turning the corner. Um, he had a great draft. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. Like it was, it was completely shocking. But uh, how about how about Gerald Green? Does he do anything for you? Oh, I, I would like Gerald Green. I think the I don't. The problem is they don't have any money to sign, like you know, a, a significant free agent. No, so they don't. You're talking about bit part players that could that could help in a pinch. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd love to sign Tony Snell, but I don't see him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see the Thunder being able to afford him. He's restricted. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, there's not a lot of guys. I mean, I think like the dream scenario, and they they're not they don't have enough money to pay him is C.J. Miles. Like he's a he's a role player. He can shoot the ball. He can play the three. He can play a little bit of four. Uh, I mean, that's a guy that would be ideal. Um, but And some people are like, well, why don't you not sign Robertson? Then you can go sign C.J. Miles. Well, that's really not how it works. I mean, I wish that the Thunder could just have a $12 million slot to spend on somebody instead of Robertson because then I think you go sign C.J. Miles and you start him, and then you have a functional offense to start the game with um, and a, not a bad defender either at that. So, 
he's ideal. The Thunder probably they don't have what it takes to get him cap wise, and um, and he probably I mean, he already knows the same price. He's interested in him. He signed him to a to a deal several years ago. But uh, other than that, you're right. I mean, the Thunder don't they don't have a lot to play with here, and I think they're going to rely on trades and minimum deals, and maybe they can find a guy in summer league they like. Maybe this kid Hamilton that played you know for the Blue, maybe they can bring him in and make him like a one of the two-way players and see if he can play at all but other than he, he's that, one to, he's one to watch I, I hear they're pretty high on daniel hamilton so he, he's one to watch uh this summer in uh in summer league see how he does uh yeah I, so that that's something to keep an eye on but you're right i think sam's had a crush on cj miles for a long time you mentioned the, the offer sheet that he signed him to he mm-hmm. he's wanted him for a long time so it would be kind of uh It'd be a coup for Sam to finally get him, but I, I think you're right. It'll be tough to fit him in. But uh, watch for Daniel Hamilton. I, I'm I'm fascinated to see what they do with with uh, Josh Hustis if he's going to be on the, the team this year. So there's a lot of moving parts, and it's going to be fascinating to see what Sam actually does because as we've talked on this podcast, there's just man, his hands are kind of tied a little bit. So it's going to take some interesting moves to free some stuff up. Yeah, yeah. First, I mean, you can always count on Sam Presley making some kind of move. Um, and I expect something to happen this summer. Uh, so it'll, it'll be interesting. But uh, Carson, thanks for coming on the show today. We can follow you on Twitter at KOCO Carson. We can listen to you on the Pistols Firing Podcast. If you're an Oklahoma State fan and you don't already listen to that show, you need to go look them up. They're on iTunes. Um, where, where else can we find that podcast? On PistolsFiringBlog.com. Uh, there's also a SoundCloud channel. You can look it up. Uh, yeah, we do it. It's, it's summertime, so it's kind of the dog days of summer. We don't do it, we usually do it twice a week during like football and basketball season, but we're still cranking them out. So if you're an OSU fan, you should listen to that. And always, you should always listen to the Down to Dunk podcast. So <laughs> thanks for thanks for tuning in and thanks for having me on again, Andrew. It was yeah. fun. Thank you, Carson. Have a good one.